This is one day out, this interview from the drop of the mother of all revelations, the data drop from New Zealand. And I'm lucky enough to have Andrew Bridgen and Winston Smith, as I call him. I don't know Winston's other name. I have never asked him his real name. Our brave New Zealand whistleblower. I wanted to talk to you on the eve of this drop, both of you, because on either side of this globe, you are both uh, the epitome to me of brave warrior men in the vanguard of an assault on the edifice of lies. Andrew, I'm going to begin with you. What has made you willing to do this with such courage and really still as a lone voice in Parliament where you are sitting in the UK Parliament right now in your room? I think I've always been a political outsider. I, I, I've been a member of the Conservative Party for a very long time and I was elected as a Conservative MP. but. I mean, the party didn't think any Conservative could ever win in my seat. They never gave me any money. I used my own resources to win and won well. And so I've never really been part of the club. I I always thought that my duty was to protect the best interests of my constituents. That's what I've always tried to do. And I mean, I was slapped awake by the the excesses of government overreach during covid and the insanity of what was going on around the world. And when they came to jab the babies in, in England, um, that was one I, could, I knew I could win on, even if I knew, I'd, I knew that there would be a huge backlash and I'd be thrown out of the party for opposing the narrative. But if I was going to lose my political career, then at least I was going to get something for it. And if saving uh, the lives of children under the age of five, that's, that's what we're here for, isn't it? So. Was there always that level of of courage? Was was that your upbringing? Was was there something in your background? Well, I, my my nickname. Well, I, well, I I I un uncovered the the post office scandal within a couple of years of being here. So ten years ago, um, the biggest miscarriage of justice in UK history. Seven hundred thirty six sub postmasters went to prison. Uh, for fraud, and it turned out it was a faulty IT system. That was it was the post office's fault. And they were covering it up. Um, that took me ten years to unravel, and a lot of parallels with the uh, exposing the vaccine harms. In that, for five years, I had all the evidence that these individuals were undoubtedly well that their convictions were unsafe at, at, at least. And I went to all the media outlets in the UK and all the national press. They all love the paper and I, the, the, the story. And I told them, you know, you, you print this story, you will win an award for exposing all this. And I've got the evidence and the government had the evidence and the post office had the evidence. And that was suppressed for six, seven years. And there's no difference to that now when the, when I go to see the, the lobby journalists in Parliament that I've known for 13, 14 years while I've been an MP. I mean, they just run. They're scared. Because they know, they know we're right. They know that the vaccine harms are being suppressed. Um, and there's, you know, there's many things that we can't talk about in our parliament. We can't talk about vaccine harms. We can't talk about excess deaths. We can't talk about the WHO uh, instruments that they're bringing forward. We can't talk about the sexualization of our children in school under the WHO uh, instructions. We can't talk about uh, trans ideology being pushed uh, to young people, um, and anything we can't talk about, you, you can bet um, that the, the media have, uh, have already decided the narrative. And and I'm a scientist, and mysteriously, Liz, so the uh, you know 
all those years ago at university, I studied biological sciences with biochemistry, specialising in genetics, virology and behaviour, just because I was interested in it. So, I mean, I think I'm in the right place at the right time. The fit of you two is quite extraordinary. Winston, if you can bring us in now with your background and, again, the same question I put to Andrew, your motivation. There is a man of courage on the other side of the world, and here are you doing something of utmost courage. What is what's shaped that? What is behind it for you? Oh, it's just, okay, uh, I'm not as articulate as Andrew, um, and those are, those are really good words, Andrew. Um, uh, what, I, what does it for me is... It's when bad, bad things happen, when good people do nothing. And that's all it takes. That's all it is. And, you know, I'm, I might not be a really good person. I'm not a bad person. And all, I, all I'm doing, I'm, I'm connecting dots. I'm thinking for myself. I've got a functioning brain cell or two. And, yeah, I just see bad things happening. So when, when I see that, I'd say, well, I've... I've got to do something. I have got to do something. And I've, I've been um, a database administrator. Um, basically, it just involves sitting behind a desk and a computer um, in the dark, <laughs> away from everyone else. <laughs> Probably a good reason why DBAs don't associate. We've got no social skills whatsoever. So that, that's been my life for the last 20 years, just data, data, data. And we're picked because of our integrity and our honesty. We absolutely are. We are trusted with the most privileged private data. That's our job. We have to be trusted 100%, and we have to be honest. So that's basically my role, is that because in my previous roles, you know, um, banking, um, finances, that sort of stuff, it's like, you know, we have to be honest. And that's, that's a huge part of my job. It's, I've been custodians of data. And yeah, when I was working at the Ministry of Health, I saw that, you know, this data, it's just letters and numbers, but you know, you see it, it became real when, it, when you saw that these are people's lives and they've been, they've been wiped out. Now I was seeing excess mortalities in a table, in a table form. And yeah, it's like, wow, there's going to be some people hurting out there because of this. And, you know, you, you look at normal mortality, I see what normal um, mortality looks like in a table, in a database. And then I see this and it's like a flick of a switch. And it's like, well, what, what happened? And you use all sorts of analysis. And I'm sure Andrew's a scientist, you know, he's heard about Occam's razor. So when you, when you eliminate everything else, all other factors, what you are left with has to be the cause. So that's the, the job of a scientist is to, is to rule out all other causes of excess mortality. And what, what are you left with? And the only thing that I can see according to the stats and the data is it's caused by the vaccine. And by now the, vac the, the vaccine data has gone out. Um, we are on the eve, as I said, of the drop. It will be happening tomorrow. But the data shows when you talk about normal mortality rates, 0.75, we on some of our um, databases that we've talked about in interviews, Winston, it can go up to 30% of That's those right. have, have died. Yeah. It cannot be explained by natural causes anymore. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, Andrew, that 
WB, or as I call him, whistleblower, or Winston, talks about honesty because I can hear the wolves who are trying to suppress the information saying, well, that's not honest for him to go out and break privacy. But there is a greater purpose, isn't there? There's a greater, there are two competing um, standards here. There's the standard of protecting people's privacy versus the standard of exposing extreme criminality. And to me, what he is doing is being honest enough to expose the criminality of people who've gone along with probably the greatest crime this world has ever seen. Do you think that's do you think that's hyperbole to call it that, Andrew? No, it's undoubtedly the greatest crime that there's ever been against humanity. It's um, it's estimated somewhere between thirteen and twenty four million deaths so far due to the the vaccines. So that's that's it's in that ballpark. I'm sure that Steve Kirsch will be coming out with with some some interesting data. We've got a big presentation in Parliament here on Monday next week. Um, so so no, it's it's it, it can't be can't be under un, underestimated. Um, and also, it's it's a huge hit. It's going to be a huge hit for public confidence in in people who seek public office and people in positions of power. I've come to the conclusion that most of the institutions in my country and all the institutions that protect the public interest of being corrupted are, uh, are medical regulators, um, medical profession, politicians, the police, the judiciary. Um, and it's not that all there's not all the apples in the barrel are rotten, but I'm afraid all the barrel, all the apples at the top of the barrel are rotten and pretty much every apple that seeks to rise to the top of any of the barrels is rotted on the way up. And uh, this is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. The uh, corruption and decay of, of our institutions, which is, has put us in this parlous position. And this is going to take a lot to rebuild trust with the public, because why should they ever trust people in positions of responsibility again when they've been let down so badly, so badly? Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. I was asked when I came out uh, a year ago and and spoke out against the narrative. Um, the mainstream media had me on before they completely cancelled me and said, why are you willing to sacrifice your career on the hill of, of va vaccine harms? And I said, well, that's because that's the hill you're killing my people on. Wow. And have they cancelled you completely over there as well? That's what they've done with me. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they so you completely don't cancel mentioned. me. I, mm. I, yeah, I don't get mentioned uh, unless they can get a bad story about me, which they they tend to make up. Um, that they'll they'll print any of that. Um, they hate the fact that we're having uh, still having the post office public inquiry. I haven't given my evidence yet, and they hate crediting anything. I actually also opposed the HS two uh, project for ten years. I voted. In, and one of the few MPs that voted against it every time for a decade said it was rubbish and said it had never happened because it would go over budget. Well, it was all cancelled north of Birmingham a couple of weeks ago. I was invited onto the BBC main programme because obviously I've, I've spoken against it so often for 10 years. And then I was cancelled at the last few minutes before we were due to go on air because they didn't want to give me a platform where I could prove that I'd campaigned on something for 10 years and was right. They couldn't, yeah, they couldn't allow that to happen. About Tell us a bit about the HS2, just briefly, what you've been involved uh, high, in. High Speed 2 was a, is a, a, a line of um, high-speed rail um, to go from London to Birmingham, Birmingham to Manchester and up to Sheffield in a Y shape. Um, 
and it started at 32 billion pounds and uh, it got up to 160 billion in, in within 10 years and they were chopping big chunks off to keep it at 160 billion the whole thing's racked with uh, with with fraud and corruption and i'd always told my it goes straight through 22 miles of it goes straight the route went straight through my seat uh, my constituency of northwest leicestershire and i always told my people you know this is nothing but a blight because it's never going to happen um and sure enough it was cancelled a few weeks ago um but we had the blight for 10 years there's people in my constituency who've gone to their graves worrying about a railway line going through their back garden that's never going to happen i mean it's just ludicrous it's this horrendous treatment of human beings that's coming from the arrogance of the World Economic Forum and the UN. Uh, we won't go into that today, but are you aware, you are aware of all of that? Um, oh, I've spoken, I've spoken, and I've seen it. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I always thought for, for 10 years, I mean, as I've been on the government benches uh, until they threw me out of the party if, uh, a few months ago for uh, 13 years. And... So many things, you know, the bad legislation was flying through. And I, when I came into Parliament to try and do good things for my constituents and the country, and I, I spent most of my time trying to stop bad things happening, yes. uh, being perpetrated by my own government. And people will say, well, doing good or stopping bad, it's it's the same. Well, no, no, doing good is far more uh, satisfying than just stopping bad, especially when it's your own government doing it. And I always thought this looks like a conspiracy because the good legislation you can't get through and the bad stuff's flying. You really have to try and hard to stop it, like HS2 and things like that. And I think this looks like a conspiracy. And I had this conversation so many times with my staff. But then we looked at the characters. So, you know, David Cameron and George Osborne and uh, Theresa May and Boris Johnson and all this. And even Rishi Sunak. Yeah. You, you, you you th yeah, you thought... These people, it's got, it's got to be cock up, not conspiracy. Because to be honest, these people aren't bright enough and their team just aren't bright enough to run a conspiracy. And it's only when you realise they're running someone else's conspiracy, it all drops into place because they aren't bright enough to run a conspiracy. Yeah, they just run foot, somebody they're else. They're foot, foot soldiers, aren't they? they they're taking their orders they're, 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 from someone else. Are, I, I get that impression. And when you look puppets. at Biden, when you look at Biden, it's game over. You know, that's, yeah, he's, not, he's not running <laughs> the show. Absolutely not. He's and not this running is, the free world, is he? No. This is a really important part <laughs> of the context for people who are now just looking at the stats and the data and horrified about the jab. That is an allusion to the context in which this is all happening. And so I would advise people to look at the World Economic Forum, to look at the Agenda 2030 goals, which you know, obviously this falls into that. But let's get back to the data itself. Andrew, when we brought it to you, I was there in the background when Winston first spoke to you by phone and we were linked by a wonderful fellow in the UK, uh, Mark Sexton, and I'm very grateful for the link to you. But what did you feel? Because even for me in my role doing media and standing for politics, you get many calls that you know could be crank calls, could be wrong information, could even be purposefully misleading information. How did you know this feels right? I think you have a feeling inside and and yes you're right but uh, where we are you have to trust somebody and um your gut feelings are seldom wrong and as soon as i heard the voices on the other end of the phone i knew that they were absolutely genuine um you can't uh, you can't fake that level of sincerity only politicians can do that and uh, he isn't uh, wb's not a politician thank goodness he's a decent thank person thank you for uh, that yeah <laughs> So uh, and 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 the, the the standard of the data. I mean, uh, government data with the names of the people who've been vaccinated, their date of birth, 
what they were vaccinated with, when they were vaccinated, what batch number, what type of vaccine, who the vaccinator was and the, and the date of death. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And also it's, it's a whole nation's data. So uh, the analysis, once, uh, once anonymized to comply with what the scientists need, so the names are all taken away, that data is gold standard. Uh, and what's worrying is if, if, if our experts can analyze it and, and come up with the right conclusions, we know that the New Zealand government should have done as well. And they could have done a very long time ago. And why are they still pushing these, these toxic jabs on uh, on 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 a public who you know haven't we haven't we sacrificed enough of our own citizens on the altar of ignorance and corporate greed to satisfy anybody anybody the relevance before i go to you Winston, the relevance andrew of new zealand data to the uk what how do you see the link is there across the world well we we had the same uh, it's exactly the same vaccines as as we've used uh, but also, you, you know, when when you vaccinated, you hadn't had a lot of COVID. Um, it was summer uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, so you weren't having a lot of respiratory illness. So, you know, the, in sort of Southern Hemisphere, you you vaccinated before you got a lot of COVID around there in your first winter. So, um, the data's even better, really, and 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 perhaps even sadder because it's more obvious. Winston, your reaction to what Andrew's saying there. Yeah, um, it's exactly right. And also, when you see something happening in one country that you, you can't easily explain, and then it happens in another country, and another country, and then all around the world, it's like, you know, this, there is something going on. There is something going on. And what is the common connection of all of it? It's not like all of a sudden, old people are dying across the world because they're just getting older. That's that's the explanation they use here. They'll use that in the UK. They'll just say, oh, it's an aging population. It's a natural thing that's happening, blah, blah, blah. That shouldn't happen all across the world at the same time. It's demographics are different. Numbers. Demographics are different in each in each nation. And yeah, it's um what I what I feel about it is that you know, we all we are both public servants, Andrew and I. I work for the people of New Zealand. That's my those are my masters. And I, I, I work for the people of New Zealand, not for the government. It's the people who I serve. And it's the people who all MPs should serve as well. No matter New Zealand or Great Britain, we serve the people and we are answerable to the people. And it's their data. They've paid for this data. You know, this is all the tax dollars, which is funding this, the laptop I'm talking to you now on, you know, it's New Zealand um, data. Um, so, yeah, I'm giving it to them. I mean, I give them that data to analyze. It's theirs to have a look at. And yes, make your own judgments um, and prove me wrong. You know, it's um, there is something going on here. The, the vaccine is a killer. I'm sure of it. And yeah, I just I just want people to let's have a discussion about it. Let's have a debate, an open debate where nobody's persecuted for having an opinion. We just all, you know, we're on either side, we can just discuss it and come up with some results. And, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll end this. He's, he's extraordinary. Yeah, he's extraordinary, Andrew. What were you going to say? He, he, well, he, he's a very brave man and um, he's a hero, not only for New Zealand, but for the whole of humanity, quite honestly. Uh, if we can stop this 
uh, in its tracks now and minimise the damage. And also, I mean, we need to get sorting out protocols to take care of those who, who have been vaccine harmed. I mean, you know, I, I took two AstraZeneca jabs before I realised what was going on, although my gut was screaming at me not to do it. Uh, and, and they were, the second one really, really hurt me. I will, I will tell you this, that in January, uh, I was given an ultimatum by the Conservative Party, the government of the day in, in uh, the UK Parliament, by a grandee, when I, I raised all my concerns about the vaccine harms and other things that have been going on, like the midazolam and morphine situation uh, of old elderly people, the euthanizing old, old people out of our hospital system to make way for the first wave of COVID patients and then putting them down as COVID deaths. I think that's about 35,000 people were euthanized uh, with midazolam and morphine in early 2020. Um, and I went through all this and at the end of it, um, the grandee gave me the party line and he said, his words are very, very clear. He said, Andrew, there is currently no political appetite for your views on the vaccines. There may well be in 20 years time and you're probably going to be proven right. In the meantime, you need to bear in mind that you're taking on the most powerful vested interest in the world with all the personal risk for you, which that will entail. And at that point, I said, thank you very much. I'm leaving. That the is the meeting is over. That is chilling. And I was going to run past you both the risks of doing what you are doing, getting this out to the world. Winston, we've worked for eight weeks and and done fastidious work getting it to um, secure locations. Obviously, the information is in numerous locations now, but also to people who would uh, analyze it with authority and gravitas. But Winston, it's not easy from the risk perspective, and yet you're you're well and truly, you've said, let them do what they'll do, because if they do put you in prison, it will simply expose them for the liars and the uh, oppressors and the suppressors of truth that they are. So there is a greater risk to them, I believe now, because we get this around the world and the world will say, you cannot imprison this man. But how are you feeling about the risks of doing this? Well, that's what I'm counting on, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, come and get me. Um, I'm, I'm aware of the reality of it. Um, you know, I don't have any illusions, I'm sure. I'm going to get my collar felt at some stage. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been through an experience in the last year that um, I nearly died from from something. Um, I'm not going to get into it now, but it was I was close, so close to death. I'd like I'd made my peace. I was like I was this close, and then I I found something which changed everything. And from that point onwards, from that moment onwards, I I lost fear of any consequence because it was everything was just a bonus from that day on it was so weird so it's like i'm living another life so it's i've got nothing nothing to fear and the truth will set me free so you know let let come let them you know target me do whatever you want um make fun of me i'm an easy target you know i'm not a i'm not an articulate person i'm not a this isn't my job my job is, uh, as I've said, I, I don't talk to people. It's just basically behind the scenes doing all the the, the, the work to keep the data uh, intact and accurate and timely and all the other stuff that we do. Um, so yeah, this I'm just willing to let the let the dominoes fall where they will, you know, whatever. I will 
I'll take it in. If it, if it stops it, if what I do stops it or goes a long way to stopping it, then job done. I'm happy. Well, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're supplying the ammunition and it's people like me and Liz that have got to fire it. Exactly. Yeah. And, well, and we I'm, better I'm, hit the target. We better hit the target, <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, I'm just lighting the fuse. You're, you guys are the bomb. I've just lit the fuse. Um, I, I totally agree, though. I, I mean, it is when you get to the point that, um, yeah, they'll have to do whatever they're going to do to you. I mean, I was threatened in February by the government. Um, very, very senior minister who used to be a friend of mine who got me into politics, came up to me in the tea room, and it was his word against mine, but, I mean, he came up, whispered in my ear and said, you can speak out all you want to, Andrew. You're vaccinated. You're going to be dead of cancer soon. I mean, what sort of person will say that to anybody? That is sinister. God, Andrew. But, I mean, but when you when you look death in the face, there's only one thing to say, Liz, and that is you've got to say, not today. Not today. And there's that wonderful line. We in have the, too much the... to do. Yeah, there's a line in the Midnight Oil, the, the Australian band from 20 years ago, their song is better to live on my feet than die on my knees. Living on our feet means all three of us are willing to tell the truth no matter the cost, no matter the cost. Andrew, what is that cost to you? My God, what you've just told us is horrific enough. Do you... Well, do I, you I, I, came into, I, came, I came into Parliament, a multi-millionaire businessman. I used to be, I was Young Businessman of the Year, basically, in the UK in 2000. Came into Parliament in 2010. The the government have done things to separate me from all of my wealth. So I can't even get hold of my pension. I'm basically penniless now. I, I, I go out of this place uh, homeless. I came in with everything. Um, it, my stuff's still there. I just can't get, get hold of it. Uh, they've, they've done things to make it difficult. You, you fall out with Bill Gates, you soon find out you, you really can't access your money anymore. That is horrendous. Do you? This will go around the world. Can we put up an account into which people around the world can put money that you can? No, 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 no. I, I have um, an angel came along to uh, protect me, and uh, we, we're going through legal legal means to get my money back. But uh, it's not easy with the, the judicial system we have over here. If you know what I mean. Um, but there's the there's, there's stories there. But we've got to. We've just got to get this finished now. And people are just. In my constituency, in my seat's the middle of the UK, furthest from the sea, centre of population. It's middle England. Um, but the people have woken up. They know. I mean, they're, they're the assault of the earth people, they know. But they just feel powerless. And it is down, down to those of us who have got a voice. We've, we've got to take these people down now. And some people are going to have to be held to account because this is it's horrendous. It, it is horrendous. All around the world as well. Could I put a call out? Yeah, to I mean, they, 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 it's got, it's got, it's got to be a conspiracy. I mean, they didn't all have someone as incompetent as Matt Hancock uh, running their health service. I mean, it doesn't explain what went wrong in Germany, France, North America, Canada, New Zealand. They didn't all have Matt Hancock. Yeah. I'd like to put a call out to some UK millionaires to get right behind Andrew and and back him, certainly in his legal challenge. But the, as you said earlier, the whole system needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm taking Matt Hancock to court for defamation. And people don't know that we've, we've had to delay, delay the, the give him more time. Hmm. He rang up and said, we need more time. Well, the court always gives them more time anyway, so you might as well give it rather than, than have a, a cost sort of against you. But the reason he needs more time is his barrister 
died suddenly the other week. Oh, oh my God. Mm. A lot of that happening, isn't there? A lot of that about, isn't there? Anecdotal, but there you go. So what do we do with that rebuild from the ground up? Would that one day, Andrew Bridgen, you are the Prime Minister of the UK? Because it's not what you want. You don't want power or ego satisfaction. You want to serve the people. How do we rebuild that system where somebody of your calibre rises to the top, the cream really rises to the top in, instead of the, the swamp? Well, what I've noticed is, I mean, I've been crucial in getting rid of a lot of prime ministers, conservative prime ministers, because they all turned out not to be serving the people. And that's from, you know, uh, David Cameron through to Boris Johnson. Um, but we never get a we never get a choice. I mean, we never get a choice in our parliament of of the right people to be prime minister. It is all sorted. They are all out of the same mould. Um, and, and quite honestly, the corruption that's going on. That I I can prove in our parliament is absolutely horrendous, and uh, we just need to get back to servant leaders. That's what we need, and we're we're so far away from that. And all uh, the unit party system that we've got here now. I mean, the red team, the blue team, the yellow team. I mean, they're all owned by the same people. They're all in the same stable. They don't team mind gates. who wins. Yeah. But our, 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 next, our next general election is going to be probably next May. May. May the 2nd, I think, will be the general election in the UK. This is not a race between the parties to the, the political finishing line. This is merely a handing over the baton in a relay race. And the only losers are the UK people every single time. They're guaranteed losers. That's interesting. That's where the we are. That, That's the, the state of our democracy. That that Winston came to me was because I was standing for Parliament for a people's movement. Now, we had a group working absolutely to confuse the public. They're, they're a group that has freedom in its title, Voices for Freedom, but they were saying you can't have a small group. You can't have a new group. You must go for the same group that's always been in there. And it was com it's completely countered to democracy. Now, it's, it's very interesting to see how harsh the forces are arraigned when you try to get a people's movement going, Andrew. But to me, the, the key is a free press. A year ago today, I put out a story on baby Will. And it, he was a three-month-old baby, and he wanted his parents wanted unjabbed blood for his operation, his heart operation. They'd lined up the donors, the hospital, the government, and in the end, the judges all said, no, no, he must have the mixed blood uh, that's in our blood banks now that has blood from jabbed people. It has risk attached to it. That's another story altogether. But what was in incredible about the baby Will story was I put out a call saying, I need every single person to share the story and I need every single person watching it to ring up the mainstream media and demand that baby Will's story penetrates the mainstream media. I wonder if we can do that here in New Zealand and you can push for that in the UK. For every person who sees the data now from New Zealand and realizes the horror these corrupt politicians have done, ring up your media outlets locally and nationally and demand in thousands and millions that this story is put in the mainstream media. When the people demand it, Andrew, in the end, it can and will and must happen, surely. What do you say to that? Yeah, that is the way to put pressure on the system and, and on and exposing Again, the corruption and decay of, of our so-called independent media is no, nothing of the sort. Um, yeah, it's going to have to come from from the people. I'm afraid our, our 
our Parliament, our, our House of Commons, is not going to not going to ride to the rescue anytime soon. Um, not not by any stretch of the imagination. Given how desperate it feels and and your level of in a way despair at the corruption, what made you so excited about the data? What made you think this could make a difference, Andrew? Well, it might seem that in my parliament I'm really isolated, and that's what they think. But you see, there's, there's about 4,000 real people working in our parliament who aren't politicians or members of the House of Lords. They're the cooks, the cleaners, the security guards, the clerks. And for the last 12 months, I would say 80% of that 4,000 in parliament have been given, having quiet words with me. And when you've got the black ladies who are the cleaners here at night and, and I'm working late in the office and every night one of them will see me in the corridor and say, we're all praying for you, Andrew. Wow, that is amazing. And one of the things that um, brought me... Uh, we we brought, have to win for, for the good brought people. Me to your, brought you to my attention was the speech that you did in Parliament and that was like to see the, the juxtaposition of the empty parliament and the hordes in the public galleries. You, you hear the screams and the shouts and the roars of the people, the real people. That was what did it for me. That was just, wow, this isn't a, this isn't was, democracy anymore. That was anymore. unprecedented. That's that never, was, never been before. That was a beautiful thing. And so, yeah, I mean, when the people fear the government, that's dictatorship. When the government fear the people, that's democracy. And by God, we are gonna get back to a democracy because they're sowing the seeds of their own destruction here. They really are. They can't they keep are, going like uh, this. They, they are, and the more they, the more they crack down on the people now because they're losing control, the, the more they force people to wake up more quickly. So I, I'm not sure that the, that they're in a, uh, they're not in a win, really in a winning position. It's pretty bumpy. I mean, they are feasibly pushing us towards a third world war, uh, and we need to, you know, we need calm heads to resist that. But I mean, it's, it, their whole tactics has been fear all along. So it, it's 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 quite reasonable that they, in their desperation, they're going to dial that fear up on us. And we've got to live. We've got to live without fear, and we've got to reassure people that uh, there is a future, uh, and we can build a better future once we've exposed uh, the corrupt system that's infested our so-called democracies and, and cleared it all out. And we have to go back there to the World Economic Forum, which King Charles supports and is very much at the heart of. People across England need to look at that, and Scotland and Ireland, the World Economic Forum Agenda 2030, and ask if you want that. It's not a world I want. But, you know, that that is just a, a wonderful vision that uh, we think of things other than World War III and the fear they want us to go. And what is the world that we really could think on, Andrew? There are these two complete holes apart views that we could hold. The other possibility is the rebirth of a new kind of social structure, a new kind of world um, cooperative way of living our lives very much free from government overreach, being able to live as private individuals. Do you think this level of data, the shock as it goes through and they, they uh, the people around the world, their anger, and then their understanding of having been so cheated might even lead to a demand for a new start, a new beginning. Oh, yes, I think so. And the globalists, the World Economic Forum and the, the corporatists, I mean, for the first time ever, I think, in history, and it's clear that this is, you know, we've been played for a very long time. If it's a game of poker, all their chips, they're all in. And we, we're all in, too. But they can't pull out now, and you know either they win or they lose. 
and 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 if they lose, we do have the chance then to uh, to build a new society, and we can build something better than we've had before because we know what went wrong, and we we must put protections in so that our, our democracies and the freedoms can never be usurped again. Um, and I'll work tirelessly to to do that. Perhaps a couple of ideas from you before we finish. I'm going to finish with a view from Winston, but. What does that look like? We feel in New Zealand decentralization because the central body is so corruptible. What what are your visions for that new world? You're asking. Um, I'm asking Andrew, and it's not a oh, new well, 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 we've got we've got, a, we've got to be, we've got to we've got to, we've got to have freedom freedom of speech. We can't have topics where where you know the narrative is set. And when anyone says to anybody who's any idea about science at all that the narrative the science is sorted i mean science just doesn't work like that this is and we've got to stop indoctrinating our children we've got to make them critical thinkers to help make sure that no one can ever inflict this on humanity ever again they must they must have uh, we must have critical critical thinking um and of course you know once we've debunked the the vaccine safe and effective narrative and uh, we can move on to the uh, man-made climate change, which is the next money-making scam they've got involved and, and the control mechanisms there. Um, and, well, I mean, you know, and if and it, we get rid of the uh, eugenicists, um, you know, if they think there's too many of them, if if they want to pop off first, we might feel a lot better when they've gone. <laughs> they lead by example, yeah, yeah. that's what I say. If you think there's too many people, lead by example, and we'll see how it is without you. Mm. That's a brilliant line. And the COVID scam is is very much replicated in the climate scam, very much. They're the same pattern, aren't they? Well, in the, in both of those sciences, I mean, it's, it's not science because you can't challenge it. So it's basically some sort of religious cult where you can't question the, 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 the dogmas or you're a heretic and you have to be literally burnt at the stake, which is where we are now, isn't it? Which is crazy. It's a million miles from science and, and free and open debate. But basically, you've got you've got to have freedom of speech, freedom of expression. Else, you can't have freedom of anything else, can you? Really? Where are you at to with in the UK with uh, talk of a new virus and talk of the pandemic, so-called pandemic treaty, which cuts across sovereignty and national borders and is basically run by Gates and the Gates Foundation from the World Health Organization. What's happening in the UK on that, Andrew? Well, Gates put Ted Ross in there with the Chinese help. Um, yeah, we we had a we've only had one debate, and that was on the uh, the pandemic post pandemic treaty, which now is called the Accord or the Agreement, and that was only because the 156,000 people in the UK signed a petition, so we had to have a, a debate in Westminster Hall, um, and I spoke in that debate. It was badly attended. Uh, it's clear that the government, the Conservative Party. Labour Party, the SNP are all, and the Liberal Democrats are all going to support the WHO treaty at the moment and the amendments to the international health regulations, which are equally appalling, which take away so many rights, give away our sovereignty to any nation that signs up to it. We got 116,000 on a public petition to sign for a debate on the international health regulation amendments. It looks like we're going to have that on the penultimate day before we break for Christmas um, recess so there won't be many people here and obviously it was well after 
the 1st of December when the amendments will go through for reducing the time for consideration of all future amendments to the international health regulations. I mean, democracy is, is absolutely being bombarded. We're being attacked from every single angle they possibly can. And it's, it's sustained, it's concerted, it's organised and, and it's continuous. So they're basically trying to keep, keep, keep the people unbalanced and in fear. And it's one body blow after another. Well, any politician, elected politician at any assembly around the world who votes to give away these powers to an unelected, unaccountable, um, diplomatically immune from prosecution organisation like the WHO, they don't deserve a position in any elected assembly anywhere around the world. It's, it will be a betrayal of the people who elected them to give those sovereign powers away. And I will never do it. And that New Zealand data really pushes against ever having mandated forced vaccines again, or potentially against vaccines at all, even. Some people are, are looking at that. But the New Zealand data can be used to say the WHO should not have this power, the World Health Organization. Well, they, man they mandated um, vaccines that certainly weren't safe and effective uh, upon huge swathes of, of the world. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be somewhere between... 13 and 24 million uh, deaths so far uh, from the experimental vaccines. The best summary of Bill Gates, he couldn't even keep viruses out of his computers. Why on earth did he ever think he could keep viruses out of human beings? But Winston well, he was apparently making a 20 to 20 fold return on his investment. Um, the trouble with the World Economic Forum is you know, to make a lot of money, there's all we need is, is is next week's papers today, and we could make a lot of money. And if you own next week's papers, easy. There you go, yeah. easy. They fabricate you own the media. Yep. Yes, it's this is a wake up call, Winston. This is this is what you want, isn't it? the The whole purpose of this was I will I will not die with this information that I have kept secret when it could help wake up the world. Is that a fair comment? That's absolutely right. It belongs to the people, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a terrifying world that we're we're in now, and it's a the further down this path we go, it's a very dark path. The further down we go, the harder it is to get off it. So. Yeah, we're in a dark place right now, but I'm sure we, we can do it. We absolutely can. The truth will be on we our side. We have to do it. We have to do it for the children. And, you know, Gates, Gates has been exposed. He's a eugenist. Is that the right word for it? His parents eugenicist. were eugenicist. Yeah, that means um, population reduction and control, basically, in effect. that's That's been his agenda the whole time. And if... Yeah, you, you can say, oh, conspiracy theorist and all that, but um, just just look at what's happening. What do you think so the population well, is going really down? Eugenics really selective breeding, but he's, he's also a yeah, Malthusian, yeah. which it, is, is he wants to reduce population. The, parents the, worst, yeah, yeah. the worst part of the population and just selecting the, a select few. It's basically um, yeah, evolution on steroids is what they want. So, yeah, that's that's a that's a terrible, terrible thing. And also the, the whole... It fits in with the LGBTQ stuff. That's like castration of the of the younger population. You know, it's like, oh, you you want to be a girl? All right, take this chemical, you'll be sterilized. And if they do that to to ten percent of the population, that's a ten percent reduction instantly. Yeah, and and, and but, but none of, none of this hasn't been done before, Winston. Because if you think about it, during the uh, Chairman Mao's Cultural Revolution, what did he do to the the young men and women, they all had to wear the same clothes. They had to shave their heads. Women weren't allowed to wear makeup. 
you couldn't tell who were men and who were women. It destabilised the whole of society. And, you know, for children especially, I mean, one of the few certainties in life is they know that there are boys and there are girls. And once you take that Jenga block from the bottom of the tower, I mean, it's going whole to thing. fall. Yeah, yeah. And it's, the whole it's, thing is going to fall. Yeah, we, we got it. We've got to get rid of that as well. It's... um. Yeah, it's, it's a whole rabbit right. war, and I don't want to get into. But at, at the at at the moment, it's just all about the data, and the, that is um, statistical evidence that they cannot disprove. You see, Winston Andrew talks about not living in fear, and I know how you don't live in fear to have done this. But to me, you are both markers, beacons of such hope. Yeah. Such hope. I don't see it as a world of despair. The Thank fact you. It's that not. you're it's both a, willing to do what you're doing. It's um, Monty Python, Life of Brian, right? It's um, it's the always look on the bright side of life. And there's a, there's a line in that song, you, you, you come from nothing. Um, what do you got to lose? Nothing. You've gone back to nothing. So what do you got to lose? Nothing. It's It's perfect. So you can't take your wealth with you. You can't take anything with you when you're gone. So just live the best life you can and always look on the bright side. What a and also, I think I'm a great, I'm a great believer in, the, in, in, in humanity's resilience. We are like weeds. They can concrete over us, but we will push through eventually. And I want to push through now. I don't want to wait too long. You'll get there. I can't wait for this debate. There's one very thorny issue that uh, was put to me when I was campaigning around the country. What to do with Jacinda when the truth comes out? To do with Ashley Bloomfield, who now works for the World Health Organization. He was the minister at the minister heading the Ministry of Health here. These criminals. What would you say, Andrew? We do with them? They've all got to be held criminally responsible. Um, without that accountability, I say no one's going to trust people in positions of responsibility again. And people who aspire to positions of responsibility have got to know that you, you don't, you know, you're not going to be allowed to commit democide against your own people without severe repercussions. Uh, and I'm afraid, you know, that's that's going to have to happen. I mean, I, I've never been a supporter of capital punishment. Uh, I've always thought if if it's wrong to take a life, it's wrong for the state to take a life in revenge. But uh, I'm afraid as I'm coming round that the, that may have to come to that. And Winston, your views? Um, yeah, the, the, when I joined the Ministry of Health, the first thing, one of the in the first week, we had like an introduction, and I met Ashley Bloomfield, who's a Director General at the time, and he was really a nice guy. You know, he's um, he wanted to meet every new joiner at the ministry, and we actually did the, the whole um, a Maori thing introduction, a hongi, where we we actually rubbed noses. It's a like part of the tradition. So I actually. I met the guy and I talked to him and he is a genuinely nice guy. But then I um I saw after he'd left, he's he's talking at the WEF, Agenda 2030. And I say, like, you can't make this stuff up. He was he was a stooge right from the start. He's just a very nice, plausible one, but he's still a puppet and he's still doing what he's told. He's not thinking for the for the people of New Zealand, which was his job, he's doing it for the WEF. And potentially for his own pocket, for money, yeah. for status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agenda 2030, he was doing a lecture on it, and it was like, that was in September, and it was like, God, you can't make this stuff up. Surely this level of betrayal of the people who've placed their trust in us, 
in, in the politicians. I mean, it's treasonous. I mean, yes. you're serving a foreign power yeah, over, you're over a the foreign people master. you're elected to protect. This is treason. Yeah. And who elected Schwab? Nobody. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's an archetypal Bond villain. All he needs is a <laughs> white cat, and we're there, aren't we? I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the, film, the film is writing you. itself, quite honestly. Yeah. I know. Where was Bond? Where was Bond? He was probably having his diversity course at the time and missed it. So, he, yeah, he let Schwab in. So, yeah, crazy. I'm with you, Andrew. I, I know that um, death was taken away as a penalty for treason in New Zealand some years ago. But having done the research I've done also and seen the suffering I've seen, I now believe there should be a death penalty for treason to your country. I'm, I'm absolutely supportive of that now. To give people the people confidence in their leaders, but also to warn their leaders that this this behaviour can never be ever contemplated again and never going to be tolerated. Yeah, that's what I worry. I think we we're going to have to get back to that. I couldn't think of two finer weeds to share time with. Thank you both. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Congratulations for what you're doing. And Thank to you, you. eternally. Thank you. Thank you. You must stay at home. If you don't follow the rules, the police will have the powers to enforce them. Prime Minister has announced the most drastic limits to our lives that the UK has ever seen in living memory. Stay at home and stay at least two metres away from people. We have got to put in place the public health surveillance, the isolation, the quarantine, the case finding, the detection. We have got to be able to show that we can go after the virus. What's your estimate for us being able to give someone we just met a hug? Well, I wouldn't recommend it. Really, to get to the point where this is totally sorted is when we have a treatment or a vaccine. The ultimate solution is a highly effective, safe vaccine, but there will be a trade-off. We'll have less safety testing than we typically would have, and so governments will have to decide, you know, do they indemnify the companies and really say, let's, let's go out with this? This paper was prepared by SAGE's Behavioural Science subgroup. The perceived level of personal threat needs to be increased amongst those who are complacent using hard-hitting emotional messaging. I'm struggling to see how this is not a direct psychological attack on everybody in this country. It is, Mike. This is the British government using applied behavioural psychology to make people frightened so that it can put its agenda in place. For many years, totalitarian and authoritarian states have used the power of fear to engineer compliance in populations. You won't be able to travel on air travel unless there are mandatory vaccines. So what we see everywhere is yet again, the problem is being created. Now they're offering the solution, but what they're doing in the interim is they wish to take away all of our civil liberties as human beings. They're running it. The Gateses are running the whole vaccine operation. They're running the World Health Organization. This will be the new normal until a vaccine is developed. We are at a pivotal point in the history of the human race, literally. Because there will be no human race as we know it if we don't get our asses in gear now, worldwide. 
to snitch or not to snitch was setting neighbours against one another in order to control people is deeply sinister. Most of the transmission that's actually happening in many countries now is happening in the household, at family level. Now we need to go and look in families to find those people who may be sick and remove them and isolate them in a safe and dignified manner. DCF's Division of Child Protection and Permanency may be called to take custody of your children. So should we do something now? Or are we gonna roll over and let them take our kids? We're gonna let them go door to door, declaring medical martial law on the parents and then taking the kids. I am now directing medical officers of health that all confirmed cases are to be managed in a quarantine facility. You either get your tests done and make sure you're cleared, or we will keep you in a facility longer. So I think people, most people will look at that and say, I'll take the test. I don't care who you are, I don't care what walk of life you are from, the moment you start raiding people's houses or even organising a protest, you live in a dictatorship. I've been arrested for my daily walk, for, da for walking down the street. Fascism! This is fascism! This bill enables the police to enter a home without a warrant. Madam Speaker, the police have never held that power. You need to open your fucking eyes, Australia, and understand what's happening. This isn't normal. This isn't a mild inconvenience if we just follow the rules, everything's going back to normal. This is fucked up beyond belief how crazy this is. They ruined our businesses. They've treated us like animals. They're kicking in doors without warrants and taking people away. They're lying on their certificates. They're using palliative care numbers for people that are dying of COVID. The most unethical, immoral thing I've ever heard of in my life. They sat back and allowed evil to run completely rampant over everybody. And we thought that somehow it wasn't gonna affect us. But now, man, we're staring into the headlights of something that's gonna run our ass over. What the fuck is going on in Australia? That is called treason, people. Treason. Look the word up. This is the time, friends. This is the time. These masks have absolutely nothing to do with health, but everything to do with the complying with a false flag, tyrannical agenda. Nobody is listening. They don't care what is happening to these people. I'm asking you, young Protests are not safe. Protests are selfish. Protests are potentially very dangerous. This is also a test of humanity to see how much of our liberty we will let go before we finally draw the line under enough. We the people are waking up. They don't need celebrating. They need calling out. They need exposing for what they're doing. But you don't have a choice. People act like you have a choice. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. No, I will not cooperate with our own enslavement. And there are billions of us and a handful of you. Our freedom is worth fighting for. Our freedom is worth dying for. Our children will have a future. Our freedom will be upheld. We are the people. We are the power. We are the 99%.
sleeping lion is stirring, it's starting to wake. And when that lion roars, checkmate. Love you. This could be the turning point when humanity got off its frickin' knees. <laughs>